And I wanted to help bridge that gap between high school and the real world. This was something I really wanted to address and that's why I created Uncle Nathan. I wanted to share the knowledge that I've learned since finishing high school, be a blog, a podcast, and an Instagram page, and a TikTok page, and Facebook, and LinkedIn. Something that's gonna really help young people figure out life after school. We've got money, we've got how to do uni, we've even got how to finish high school. We talk about travel, we talk about everything, life in general, so like mental skills, a lot of soft skills. When I stopped looking for my purpose and just accepted that it'll come to me when the time's right, and the more I did that, the more I saw this common theme of leading. Just focus on doing what you love. Focus on living that fulfilling life, and then eventually you'll start to see a theme, and that theme is essentially your purpose. We just want you to listen to us. We don't want your advice, but let them know before you start talking. Say, hey, I've got some shit that I need to get off my chest. Are you happy to listen? Welcome back to the Post School Podcast, the life guide you didn't even know you needed. This is your chance to learn about all the wacky, wonderful, inspiring, and downright insane stuff that normal people like you and I have done after high school. The Post School Podcast aims to leave you feeling motivated to chase your dreams by dispelling the myth that life is mediocre. Through the stories of incredible people who are doing incredible things with their lives, you and I will learn just how not boring life really is in the big wide world. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Post School Podcast. Today is going to be a little bit different. I'm actually going to try and interview myself. I put it on my Instagram story at Uncle Nathan Co. not too long ago, asking whether or not you guys wanted to hear from me on my podcast, and the response was overwhelmingly positive. So I thought I'd make it happen. The first question I always ask my guests is, who are you? So I'm going to try and answer that same question as quickly as I can. Um, so my name's Nathan Moss. I uh, was born and grew up on Sydney's northern beaches in Collaroy. My parents actually split when I was about, I think, eight years old. Um, and dad moved up the central coast, which was kind of cool because it sort of turned into like a holiday every second weekend to go see dad. Um, and because of that, I sort of fell in love with traveling pretty early on. My mom and my stepdad, when, when she met him, they loved to travel up and down the Aussie East Coast, so the New South Wales coast. And before I was even in high school, I'd pretty much traveled all the way from New South Wales up to Queensland and stopped at every place between there. And then dad and my stepmom, they really enjoyed traveling overseas. So I got that experience as well at quite a young age. And before I'd finished high school, I think I'd been to like seven countries. Yeah, I think seven countries, um, a mix of cold countries like snow um, and surfing trips. I, I grew up loving the ocean, so I was quite an avid surfer, still am quite an avid surfer. Um, and yeah, the, the things that I sort of grew up doing were playing a lot of football. I love my soccer. Um, Dad was high up in, in the soccer world, so that sort of got me into soccer at a young age and still play soccer. Um, but pretty early on in high school, I actually fell quite hard for snowboarding. I found snowboarding was my passion and I actually would spend hours on end watching snowboard videos from home. And meanwhile, I'm six hours away from any snow in Oz. But for me, it, it was quite an escape to watch those YouTube videos. I would stay up at all hours of the night watching YouTube, watching snowboarding videos. Um, and we'd get a few days on snow here and there with my family. So that was really cool. And then I sort of thought, I wonder if I could turn this into a profession. So I went all out on the snowboarding thing. I, um, I did, I think my first real go at it was when I moved down to Jindabyne, which is 
where we have snow here in Australia. Well, the town closest to snow here in, in New South Wales. Um, yeah, so I moved down to Jindabyne in year 10 and actually did my first season. So I was at boarding school at Snowy Mountains Grammar. And it was part of an elite snowboard program where basically we spent, uh, what was it, five days on snow, I think two days at school every, each week. Um, so that was for all of term three. And we did the essential subjects like your math, science and English, but the majority of it was snowboarding. And that was my, my real focus was to give snowboarding a red hot crack. Um, ended up actually breaking my wrist halfway through. So that kind of sucked. It didn't, it stopped me from really trying to progress. It didn't necessarily stop me from snowboarding, but it definitely meant that I couldn't go as hard as what I'd planned to for the rest of the season. Um, so that sucked. That was a big learning curve for me and something I'll get onto a little bit later in the episode. But from there, I actually ended up getting glandular fever at the end of that term as well. So, um, but the experience itself was awesome. So that was really cool. And then year 12, I decided to give it a, another go. So I actually was lucky enough to go over to Colorado for a five-week camp, um, training camp for snowboarding. And unfortunately, again, when I was over there, I ended up breaking my collarbone. So that sucked. Um, and that was halfway through again. So I had to come home early from that. Again, that was a massive disappointment for me and something that I did struggle to get over because it was such a good opportunity for me to be over there snowboarding with like-minded people who are all really good and trying to make it. Um, but ended up coming home uh, during my HSC year. I healed, obviously went pretty hard for my HSC because I did have passions lying elsewhere other than snowboarding. I did want that backup plan. Um, and then the insurance money from the Colorado trip actually let me do another trip to Whistler in April of my HSC year. So I went over to Whistler for a two-week training camp. Um, that's in Canada, for those that don't know. And that was the first trip that I actually came home unscathed. I, I didn't end up breaking a bone. Um, progression was awesome. Yeah, it was such a sick trip with really cool people. And yeah, that was the first time I actually made it through without hurting myself. So it was, that was a really cool experience for me. And, and it did show me that it was possible to actually get through one of those things without hurting myself. Um, but I also came to the realization during that trip that I wasn't cut out to make it as a pro snowboarder. I didn't have the drive. It was a little bit too late for me. Like if I really wanted to make it, I would have had to spend my whole life chasing winters, day in, day out snowboarding. And number one, I didn't have the money to be able to do that. Like we only have snow in Australia for three and a bit months every year. So it's really tough because I'd have to go overseas and it, that is a big financial commitment. I also found another passion away from the mountain, actually in the books. I was quite nerdy. Um, we'll get onto that in a second. But yeah, I, had, I really had to look in deep in myself and realize that snowboarding wasn't going to happen for me. I still love snowboarding as a hobby, but yeah, for me, it's it's just not the the career path anymore, which was which was fine. Like it took me a while to come to terms with that. But moving on from that, I found another passion away from the mountain, and that was actually finance. Weirdly enough, um, as a little sixteen year old kid, my stepdad actually introduced me to the stock market. Um, rightly so, it was after watching Wolf of Wall Street. Thought it was the coolest movie ever, and I asked him is that actually how Wall Street works? And he said, no, it's definitely not. Um, so that, that was interesting. I got to learn that Wolf of Wall Street is not necessarily an accurate representation of life on Wall Street. Although I'm sure it's possible if, you're, if that's the life you want. For me, I was more interested in having the ability 
to do whatever I wanted to do every day, like what Jordan does in the movie, not necessarily the cocaine and hookers, my friend. Um, but yeah, so I got really interested in the stock market and I asked my stepdad lots and lots of questions, started talking to my dad about it, my whole family, I just couldn't shut up. Just like the snowboarding thing, I fell hard for investing in finance and I would spend hours on YouTube learning about the stock market. And when I say hours, I mean I'd come home from school at three and watch YouTube videos on the stock market until 10 p.m. at night every single day without without fail. Um, I tried out a few little free apps without real money to see whether or not I knew what I was doing. And pretty quickly, I had to learn the difference between short-term investing and long-term investing. Again, this is something I'm going to get onto a little bit later when we go through some stuff that I've learned. Um, but yeah, eventually I asked my mom to help me set up like a custodial account, which is basically an account where my mom was my trustee. So I could still buy and sell shares, but technically it was like, my account with her watching over me. Um, so that's the way to do it if you're under 18. And then when I turned 18, it became my account and then I started doing it all myself. But yeah, I got really into that. And as I said, I just spent hours researching this stuff. Um, and that's what really, I guess, helped me get over losing snowboarding as my passion because it gave me something else to do. It gave me something to take my mind away from away from that loss that I just suffered. So yeah, that, that's also what sort of made me go into uni. So now I'm at uni doing a Bachelor of Business and a Bachelor of Creative Intelligence. My major is finance, um, and then I'm sub-majoring in economics and management consulting. And finishing high school, I actually graduated with an ATAR of, it was 93.95, but I like to say 94 because it sounds a little bit better. Don't tell anyone. Um, but yeah, so that ATAR got me into the course and I sort of graduated with the idea that I wanted to do investment banking. Um, and that's since changed since I started uni. I kind of now want to do management consulting after uni. I really do want a corporate job and we're going to get into the Uncle Nathan story in a little bit, but that passion still lies within me. I do want to graduate uni and get this corporate job and have that experience. Uh, but yeah, pretty soon after I finished high school, I actually got asked to come back to my old high school as a student learning support officer, which basically my job role there is primarily to help your 11 and 12 kids finish high school with the best outcome they could have. So that, that was an awesome opportunity for me. It was basically like an in-house tutor and that, that took over from my part-time job. So throughout high school, I'd worked at Macca's and then Balmoral Boards, which is a snowboard shop here in Narrabeen. Um, but yeah, this, this was the next stage in the journey for me, but the, my next chapter. And that was really awesome. It sort of opened my eyes up to how difficult people find school. I was such a lucky kid. Like I went through school breeze. It, it was easy for me. Um, I was just super lucky. Like just, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but for some reason I found school really easy. And this job at, at my old high school made me recognize that that's not the case for everyone. Like some people really find school difficult. And when I was going through school as a naive teenager, I thought that was just because they didn't try hard enough. But I realize now that's not the case. School's just simply not built for everyone. And the fact of the matter is, if the school system isn't built for you, there's still so many other ways to be great outside of school. Um, and I, that's a message that I really want to send loud and clear to anyone who follows Uncle Nathan. It's, it's not about doing well at school. It's about doing well at what you're good at. Um, but yeah, so that job is really what led me to Uncle Nathan. I, I sort of noticed this gap where students are finishing high school 
without a real idea of how the adult world works. Like I still had stuff to learn going into the adult world, but I think a lot of people are really worse off when they finish high school when it comes to doing real life outside of school. Um, I don't think school properly equips us with the required knowledge and skills that are actually going to help us thrive in those first few years out of high school. And honestly, if you can figure out the adult world within sort of your early 20s, like you're going to be so much better off for it because you're going to have a real direction and know where you're going in life. So this was something I really wanted to address and that's why I created Uncle Nathan. I wanted to share the knowledge that I've learned since finishing high school um, and I wanted to help bridge that gap between high school and the real world because there's a massive gap there that people just don't have the practical skills that we need for the real world. So that became my focus and I started Uncle Nathan January 1, 2021, so start of this year. So it's now been, what are we, August, end of August. So it's now been nine, uh, eight months since I started Uncle Nathan. And so far, the journey's been incredible. I the, the, the vision for Uncle Nathan at the beginning was pretty much just to share like personal finance tips because like you guys already know, I'm super passionate about managing your own money and using that money to create a life that you want to live, live life on your own terms. But since then, like it, it was originally a blog just about money and it's now changed to be a blog, a podcast and an Instagram page and a TikTok page and Facebook and LinkedIn, um, all these different platforms. It's turned into a real, a real network of something that's going to really help young people figure out life after school. It's not just about money anymore. We've got money. We've got how to do uni. We've even got how to finish high school. Um, we talk about travel. We talk about everything, life in general. So like mental skills, a lot of soft skills, career paths, stuff like that. And the blog, the blog for me is a way to share my thoughts and my learnings. But pretty quickly, I noticed that it's not enough for me to just be sharing what I've learned because there are so many incredible people out there who have had their own experiences and their own learnings from those experiences. And I really didn't want to cap it at just what I've done. So that's why the post-school podcast, this podcast was created because I thought if I could interview these really cool people who have had their own experiences and learnings, then number one, I get to learn while I'm doing it. And number two, I can help more young people figure out life quicker through stuff that I'm figuring out as well. So rather than me learning and then sharing it on, we can do it at the same time. And I think that's a really cool concept behind Uncle Nathan is that we're all Generation Z here. We're all going to grow together. Like as I enter the workforce after uni and start, start my career, you guys will be at a similar stage. So I can share learnings about that that you can relate to. And I think that's what really is the difference with Uncle Nathan. That's what sets it apart is the fact that we're all growing together. Like, and yeah, stuff will get outdated, by, but by that point, we're not going to be 20 anymore. We're going to be 26, 27. And kids who are turning 20, finishing high school, all the content will still be there for them to go back and look at and learn from. So yeah, I think, I think it's a really cool concept. And just thinking about where Uncle Nathan could go gets me super, super excited. I've had quite a few people ask me where the end goal is for Uncle Nathan. What do I want it to turn into? And quite frankly, I have no idea. Um, for me, I never thought I would be sitting here talking to a camera and a microphone. That's not something I ever really envisioned myself doing while I was in high school. So even that in itself has been a really interesting learning curve for me. And I find myself learning new things every single day. 
So where's Uncle Nathan going? I don't know, but I do know that I'm going to grow with Uncle Nathan and I want as many of you guys to come along for the journey as possible. The ideal situation is Uncle Nathan turns into this go-to platform for young people to learn about the real world. And hopefully one day I can start employing people and provide an income for those people as well. We have a team of young people get into schools and share our knowledge, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I see big possibilities for Uncle Nathan and I know it's going to be around with me for as long as I'm alive. I'm not sure what it looks like yet, but I do know that I love the concept and I want it to be around for as long as possible. So now you guys know a bit about who I am, who Uncle Nathan is, what Uncle Nathan is, where I've come from, my experiences, my story, my journey. I thought now I'd jump into some more practical stuff. So I'll start with my values as a person, and then I'm going to go into stuff that you guys can actually take away from this episode and apply in your own lives. Um, So I actually recently defined my values. I've always sort of known what my moral compass was, but I've never written down my key values. So yeah, I really wanted to define those values. I wanted to define those four pillars. And to do that, I thought about the four people in my life that I respected most, which was a tough thing to do. In fact, I actually couldn't really think of four. So I ended up thinking of like six or seven people that I respected the most um, because there's just too many to turn it into four. And from that, I then looked at those people and I thought, okay, why do I respect them? I, I did all of this with my psychologist, actually, so I'm not taking any credit for this for this exercise at all. It was all his idea. And, but yeah, so he made me think about those seven people and figure out what the one quality they have, what that one quality is that I respect the most. Um, so anyway... I figured it out for those seven people and then we sort of shifted them all together into four key pillars, my four values. So for me, those values are leadership, responsibility, honesty, and self-assuredness. Those are my four pillars and pretty much every decision I make are based around those four key pillars. Am I making this decision based on those and am I staying true to those four values? If the answer is yes, then chances are the decision is going to work out for the better. So yeah, I think this would be a really cool exercise for you guys to try. If you've got 15 minutes, a piece of paper and a pen, it's not going to take long. It's, it is hard, you've got to think, but it's going to really help you define your direction in life and figure out how to make decisions a little bit better. So think about the four to eight people you respect the most and then figure out why you respect them. What's the one quality that makes you have respect for that person? Those qualities are actually the values that you live by. If you respect that in someone else, then it's because you're actually living by those values yourself. And I'm not going to take any credit here. This is what my psychologist told me to do and how he explained it to me. So I obviously do not have a degree in psychology and uh, am in no way saying that I do. But I think this exercise is really important for young people to do early on so you can figure out exactly where you want to go in life. So moving on from my values, it actually helped me figure out my purpose as well. Once you've got this clear set of values, it's really easy to figure out how those values come together to create your purpose. And I realized that my purpose is to lead. So I'm a a big believer in that everyone has a purpose and that purpose doesn't necessarily change throughout your life, but rather either you think you know your purpose and maybe it's a little bit wrong or you do know your purpose and you just throughout your life shift the way you serve that purpose. 
So like I said, for me, I believe my purpose is to lead. And right now I'm leading through Uncle Nathan. I'm leading through my job by inspiring people and helping them be the best version of themselves they can be. Because to me, that's what leadership's all about. It's inspiring others and helping others become the best version of themselves that they can be. And that's what I believe I do with Uncle Nathan, with my job. Um, I've been the captain of my soccer team. Like, it doesn't have to be anything significant. It can be small things. But to me, I think I fulfill that purpose every day and in every decision that I make. So it's probably worth mentioning here how I actually like came to find that purpose because, it, again, like values, it's a hard thing to define. And for me, I noticed that it sort of made sense when I stopped looking for my purpose. I spent a lot of time reading books and watching YouTube videos and stuff like that about how to find my purpose. Um, there's a really great book from Simon Sinek called Start With Why. And that was a great book to open my eyes up to the importance of knowing your purpose because it allows you to make better decisions that are really going to impact your life for the better. It allows you to have a fulfilling life. Um, but yeah, finding my purpose was quite difficult. And I noticed that it came to me when I stopped looking. That was, that was the key takeaway I got. When I stopped looking for my purpose and just accepted that it'll come to me when the time's right. And then I started just living, doing the things that I really enjoyed doing, the things that made me happy. And the more I did that, the more I saw this common theme of leading. And that's how I came to my purpose. I sort of figured it out that way. So just focus on doing what you love. Focus on living that fulfilling life. And then eventually you'll start to see a theme. And that theme is essentially your purpose. Alright, now this section is going to be super practical for you guys. I've literally written down a few rules. Number one, a few rules about investing because I know you guys love hearing about investing stuff. And number two, a few rules about life that I've learned as a young 20-year-old who has no idea what he's doing. So we'll jump into the investing stuff first. Before I jump into these investing rules, it's important to note that this is in no way financial advice. I'm not a registered financial advisor. Um, this is literally just general education only. So the first investing rule that I learned quite early on after watching a lot of Warren Buffett stuff is that when you buy a stock, this is for long-term investing, but when you buy a stock, you've got to be willing to hold that stock for 10 to 15 years without any doubt about where it's going. So every time I buy a stock, I'm buying it on the presumption that I could hold on to this stock for the rest of my life without, like, with full confidence that that stock won't go anywhere but up. Sure, it'll fluctuate, go up and down, up and down year after year, but over the long term, over the 15 to 20 years that I hold it, I'm confident that it will finish at a higher price than what it started. And that's the philosophy that I take into any stock I buy. Buy it as if I'm going to hold it for my life. Another thing going on to that is that if you do sell a stock within 12 months, you're losing 50% of that profit in capital gains tax. Whereas if you hold it for longer than 12 months, you still lose some, but it's only 25% here in Australia. So to me, it makes a lot more sense to hold long-term because eventually you get to reap much more of the rewards. So my second investing rule is that if it's in the news, it's old news. And what I mean by that is, you know how Bitcoin's in the news all the time. We see Bitcoin stuff all the time in the news. And as a result of that, the price is so volatile. It's going up, down, up, down. You can 
win 100% in the day, you can lose 100% in the day. Like stuff goes crazy with Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies and volatile stocks in general. So to me, if I'm investing in a stock, I want it to be something quite stable, at least for the core of my portfolio, which I'm going to get onto in a second. But I look at a stock and I think, okay, how volatile is this stock? And to judge volatility, I look at the beta and a few other things of the stock. And then I think, all right, if this is a long-term investment for me, sure, short-term volatility doesn't matter too much. But if it's in the news all the time, then it's pretty easy for some bad publicity to come out that's going to really affect the share price. And I don't want that. I'd much rather, I'm quite risk averse. I'd much rather be feel safe that my investment's going to be stable over time. So I go for stuff that's not necessarily mainstream, like the Bitcoins, and I much prefer the smaller but not as risky stocks. My third rule is that a great stock at a good price is much better than a good stock at a great price. And what I mean by that is you're better off buying an awesome stock, even if the price is a little bit higher than what you would like, versus buying a decent stock at a really good price. Now, sure, if you're in it for the short term, then go ahead and buy that good stock at a great price because you'll make that profit in the short term. But like I've said, I'm a long-term investor. If I'm buying something, I'm buying it based on the company, not the stock price. So I'm going to buy it at a decent price and I'm going to watch it go up over years because I know that company's doing good things. So my last tip is patience is your best friend. Honestly, I once held on to a buy order for four months before it went through, which means I wanted to buy a stock four months earlier than what I actually bought the stock. The price was pretty much at the price I wanted to buy at, but for me, I wanted to be just a little bit lower. And a lot of people freak out and see the stock price just close to where they want to buy at. And they buy it there because they think, oh, it's going to go up tomorrow. For me, the one lesson I've learned is that patience is my best friend. So if I see that happen, sure, it's going to go up, but it's sure as hell going to come back down as well. So I'm always waiting for that dip again. And that's when I'll grab the stock at a good price. All right, now I'm going to jump into my investment philosophy. I think this would be cool for you guys to hear about. Again, this is no way advice. This is just what I do with my investing and my money. So the first thing to understand and something that really changed the way that I invest is this thing of risk in the stock market. So with the stock market, there's two key types of risk. You've got systematic risk and unsystematic risk. And systematic risk is basically the risk that is always present in the market. It's things like a COVID outbreak. It's things like a company um, following the business cycle, going up and down with the business cycle. So when the economy is booming, the company is probably booming and the stock price is probably doing the same thing. That stuff is systematic risk. It's stuff you can't really do much about. And then on the other hand, you've got unsystematic risk. And that's what we can actually get rid of. So to get rid of that, you want a diversified portfolio. And this is something that since learning has really changed the way that I invest. So by diversified, I mean a lot of stocks across a lot of industries with very different business models. And that way, if one of those sort of portions of your, of your portfolio suffers, then the other portions are still going to be okay. And that's how we get rid of unsystematic risk. Unsystematic risk is basically defined as the risk that's specific to a business. So by having lots of different businesses, the risk that's specific to each one is somewhat nulled. It's made a lot lower. So basically, the more stocks you have and the different ways those stocks interact, the more diversified your portfolio is and the better off you are in terms of risk for that. 
Anyway, my portfolio build-up, based on that little assumption there, is that I have sort of a core portfolio. So I've got my core 80% built from ETFs, and those are super diversified ETFs. So right now I hold an ASX 200 ETF, which invests in the top 200 companies on the Australian Stock Exchange. And then I've also got another ETF, which is a little bit riskier, but still quite diversified. That one's called FANG, and it invests in Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Alibaba, Twitter, Tesla. I think that's it. But those two stocks make up the core of my portfolio because they give me a good diversified base to hold and build wealth. And then I've also got about 5% in gold, 5% in bonds, those are wealth holders. So that provides a little bit of stability when the market gets a little bit volatile. So bonds are really good if stocks are going up, bonds are probably going down. But if stocks are going down, bonds typically go up. So that's a really good sort of offset if there's some sort of adverse reaction to an event going on. And then I've got 10% left and that's what I throw into speculative stocks. So speckies are basically not gambles, but stuff that could pay off, but may not. And if I'm only risking 10% of my capital, then essentially I'm better off for it because I don't have to worry. If it turns into nothing, I don't have to worry about losing all my money. So that's what I got. 80% ETFs, 10% gold and bonds, 10% in speculative stocks. All right, that's my investing stuff covered. Now let's jump onto some life lessons that I've learned as a 20-year-old who has no idea what he's doing and absolutely no credibility in what I'm about to say. So the first lesson that I've learned and I'm still working on all the time, but I think is crucial to figuring out the adult world is to live life with a super open mind. So this is something that I actually learned from the book Principles by Ray Dalio. And he talks about radical open minds. And that's basically going into every situation thinking, where could this go rather than having an opinion before you get there? So for me, if I'm going into a situation that maybe doesn't appeal to me, um, for instance, I don't really enjoy horse riding. But if I go into horse riding thinking that uh, this is going to suck, I'm not going to get anything out of this, then chances are the result's going to be negative. But if I go into horse riding and say, you know what, this could be really fun. A lot of people enjoy horse riding. What's to say that I'm not going to enjoy it as well? If I go into that with an open mind about the possibilities, chances are the outcome is going to be so much better. Number two, and something that I've had to come to terms with is you're not going to build incredible relationships with people until you learn empathy. To put yourself in someone else's shoes is the only way to build really fulfilling relationships. That's how you create that deeper connection. It changes it from a surface level friendship into a really deep relationship. And if you want fulfillment from the people around you, that's how you're going to get there. So learn empathy. And then number three, which is a super important one, failure is the best way to learn. Learning by failure is so important, not just from a school perspective and a study perspective, but from a life perspective. Throw yourself at opportunities and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, then you learn that it didn't work out and you reflect and take away things that are going to help you better that um, outcome next time. If it does work out, then you learn that it worked out and happy days. So for me, failure is the best way to learn. Throw yourself at opportunities and see what happens. Number four, success breeds success. Dead set, momentum is key to getting to where you want to go in life. When you have one success, chances are you're going to take that mentality and improve on it slightly for the next success and the next success and the next success. You look at the world's most successful people, 
Look at where they've come from. Typically, they've had one big success after a lot of smaller successes. And then after that one big success, every success seems to be bigger and bigger. Again, that's momentum. So success breeds success. Number five, first tier rewards versus second tier rewards. This is another one I learned from Ray Dalio's book, Principles. And this is all about making sure you understand the different reward levels of what you're going into. So for instance, if I... If I want to get fit, I look at the gym and I think first tier reward is physical pain. I don't want to go to the gym. But if you think deeper at the second tier, the second tier reward is getting fit. So it's more important to think about that second tier reward versus the physical pain in the short term. It's similar to eating junk food. I eat junk food because I'm focused on the first tier reward, which is it tastes awesome. But the second tier reward is you're not going to get too healthy with it. So we're better off focusing on that second tier reward, which in this case is staying healthy rather than the first tier reward in both situations. And that's something that I've really come to terms with lately and has definitely changed the way I make decisions. All right, a little bonus one that I'm going to throw in as well is that it's super important to live your life only focusing on controlling the controllables. What I mean by that is Don't focus on controlling external things because you have absolutely no say in those. And that's not going to let you be happy because if your happiness is coming from something that's external, something that you can't control, then that means something else has control over your happiness. And there's no way of fixing that until you learn to control only the things that you can control. The best example of this is when you're driving a car and someone cuts you off. It's, it's okay to be angry at first. That's cool. But you got to think, the person in that car is n- does not care what they've just done. There's no way you're getting to them unless you physically get out of your car and manage to get them to stop their car and fight goes down and so on. But point is, your happiness is now controlled by someone else who you have no control over their actions. So you're better off in a, in a, in a situation where someone cuts you off Yes, be angry, but then forget about it. There's nothing you can do. Control yourself, worry about the controllables. I hope that made sense. I don't know. I'm not trying to be wise here. I'm just sharing stuff that I've learned and trying to put it into words because honestly, the way that I like to live my life is by trying to articulate things that I do so that I can do them again the next time. All right, now we get to jump into the fun part of the episode, which is where I get to answer your Instagram questions. So I put a story up on Uncle Nathan, I think about a week ago now, and asked you guys to ask me questions about myself. Now I'm going to answer some of them. All right, so the first one here is, what makes you, you? So what makes me, me? Um, that's a tough question. And I think my story's already sort of answered that one. But for me, what makes me myself is those four key values that I spoke about before. Respect, responsibility, leadership, and self-assuredness. If I am following those four key values, then I know I'm different to everyone else on the planet and I'm doing life my way. I know that I'm my happiness is defined by however I want to be happy, whatever I want to be doing every day. So that's sort of what makes me, me, I guess. Weird answer, but good question. Second question is, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you hope to be? 
Now that one's a big one because it has changed dramatically since I started Uncle Nathan at the start of this year. So originally I thought that in 10 years time, I would be waking up in a Manhattan apartment, going to work, putting my suit on and going to work, sorry, uh, holding a briefcase every day as someone important. That, that was my dream. Corporate job, someone important, nice business card, that was it. And since starting Uncle Nathan, I've realized that my purpose is so much more than that. So in 10 years time, I have no idea where I'm going to be. I would have liked to have had a corporate experience. I would like to be super well-traveled and I would like to have Uncle Nathan kicking away in the background, helping as many young people as I possibly can. Actually, not even the background. It could be the foreground. I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully I can turn Uncle Nathan into an income so I can actually sustain myself doing that for the rest of my life because at the end of the day, I need money to live. Um, So that'd be awesome if I could figure that out. Now, this question is super interesting. At what point in life will you sit back and say you've reached your goal? I really don't know. I think my goal is going to continually shift throughout my life. Like I think back to when I was, say, 12, 13, my goal was to turn 17 so I could have my P's. And that was, that was my focus between 13 and 17 was to get my license so I could have a bit of freedom. And then from 17... I had a goal of turning 18 so that I could sort of be an adult. I'd finish school. I'd be able to go clubbing, drinking with friends, like all this stuff. There's so many cool things about being 18. And then I turned 18 and my goal became to be 21. So I'd be more independent, maybe moved out of home, just about to finish uni, maybe getting a job, all these things. So I think my goal for myself is constantly evolving. And I don't think there'll be a point where I sit back, retire and say, happy days, I'm finished now. I think for me, if I was ever going to, well, I will retire eventually, but I think I'd more prefer to be semi-retired where I still do stuff on the side that's going to help people and use those leadership skills, use my purpose, which is to lead, to actually benefit others. Um, I think I'll do that until the day I die, honestly. Now, I love this question. When are you happiest? For me, I am happiest when I'm doing pretty much anything sport-related, playing soccer, surfing, snowboarding, playing tennis, kicking a footy ball, all those things makes me super happy. Another one is when I get to see that I'm having a positive impact on other people, whether it be my relationships with people around me, my family, my girlfriend, my friends, whether it be through Uncle Nathan or through my job at my old high school, anything where I get to see other people genuinely fulfilled and happy from what I'm doing with them makes me super happy in return. This one's something that I'm super passionate about and I'm always focused on addressing. It's men's mental health or just mental health in general. Um, Some of the stigmas that surround mental health, such as it's a bad idea to be on antidepressants, um, it's it's weak to speak, all of these things like men don't cry. Obviously, I'm not going to do it alone, but I like to have my say wherever I can. Um, I think it's super important as a male to speak out when we're struggling. Um, It's a tough thing to do, but for me, what I've seen is when that does happen, it really lifts that weight off your shoulders. And it's important to pick and choose who you speak to because obviously not everyone is ready to hear the pressures that you have on your shoulders. It's like when you think of a backpack, not everyone's ready to take that backpack from you. But for me, if you can share the load of that backpack with people who are willing to help you, then you're going to be better off for it. And in the long run, it's really going to help your mental health. So the best way that I've figured out how to do that 
is to just have a conversation, sit down, but let them know before you start talking. Say, hey, I've got some shit that I need to get off my chest. Are you happy to listen? All I want is for you guys to listen. That's, that's the goal when a lot of people are speaking about their mental health. We just want you to listen to us. We don't want your advice. We just want to be able to just let out what we got on our chest. So for anyone listening who's supporting someone, that's my advice. Just listen. And for anyone who's listening who needs to have that conversation, just go do it. What's, what's the worst that could happen? They turn around and say, that's silly. Like, okay, ouch, that hurts. But at the end of the day, like I've said before, don't let them control your happiness. Find someone else that's going to listen to you. Use the people that are close to you to lean on because that's, that's what they're there for. They want you to lean on them. And likewise, if they're in a similar position, they're going to want to lean on you. So be there for your friends, listen to each other, and we'll be happy. Alrighty, and that wraps up the episode. Um, I hope you guys have learned a little bit about me. I hope you've learned stuff that you can actually take away and apply in your own lives, and it hasn't just been a bunch of me sharing my story, because the goal is for you guys to learn a bit about who I am, and then be able to take stuff away from that and apply it to better yourselves. So I hope I've done that today. Um, this has been a pretty fun episode. I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, but I think interviewing myself has, has kind of worked out. Sweet as another story shared and another lesson learned. If you've made it this far, I'd be stoked if you could take a minute to give the show a rating and review on Apple podcasts. If you haven't already with your support, we can both empower more young people to chase their dreams. If you have any questions about today's episode, make sure to jump on Instagram and send me a DM at uncle Nathan co or head to the website at unclenathan.com to join our community. All right, enough from me. Thank you so much for your support and I'll catch you next time.